This episode of the Second Floor Podcast is brought to you by Career Essentials, a new podcast from techlifetoday.ca. And Nate, Career Essentials offers real-world advice and insight into different careers and career paths. It features the stories and experiences of Nate alumni with lessons for everyone. Discover perspectives, tools, and tips essential to career growth and success, no matter what stage you're at in your career journey. A recent episode you might find interesting features Edmonton chef Steve Brochu of Milk Crate, who explains why mental health in the restaurant industry often gets ignored and shares what he's doing to change that. Find Career Essentials on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at techlifetoday.ca forward slash podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Kenny here from Second Floor Podcast. I am super excited to bring back one of my friends, one of my admirers, one of my once upon a time coaches, Marek Komar. Marek is a mental performance consultant and longtime athlete on the journey of mental mastery. Marek is the founder of Flow Performance. Flow Performance is a performance psychology consultancy with the mission of increasing the amount of time people spend in flow by empowering individuals and teams with the necessary mental skills to perform at their best. Marek is also a professional member of the Canadian Sports Psychology Association. Also, on today's episode, we actually go in depth with Everything Marek wrote about in detail over mind without mind. How do you get out of your own way and perform at your very best? This is what we discover and unfold in this episode. And we also talk about some personal struggles and personal pursuits that we've actually conquered based off of some of the principles that Marek's followed and myself from this book. We go over it in today's episode. So Mind Without Mind is about unlocking your greatest asset, which is literally your mind. The search begins with an understanding of how to train it. Only when our minds connect with our physical bodies do we begin to perform at our best. Those who experience this intersection experience something known as flow state, an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and perform our best. Though it is difficult, experiencing flow more often is both possible and it's trainable. So, if you would like a copy of this book, I recommend you go on to www.flowperformancepsych.com, check out where you can order it, and learn everything about designing a mental performance training framework, developing your own personal philosophy, implementing appropriate recovery strategies to avoid burnout and dissatisfaction, learning how to actually pay attention and not crave attention, and lastly, thriving as a modern-day athlete in an ever-changing and complex world by applying ancient, stoic, and zen wisdom. This one's for the books, guys. Definitely check out this book. Check out this podcast. If you guys like it, please like, review, share. Let us know how you feel about this episode, and we look forward to diving in. Well, here we have the one and only Marek Komar. Welcome back, my friend. Well, thank you very much. We are on the Second Floor Podcast with you coming back on with a published book, man. 
This is unreal. I have in my hands mind without mind. I've gone through the exercises. I've read halfway through to the book at this point where we could finally start talking a little bit about, um, you know, what the book has done for myself, what led you to writing the book and where you're at in life now since the last time we chatted. Uh, Just to start off, though, we were talking about inner animals. And for those of you listening, I see Marek right now in front of me wearing his shirt that equates to his MPP, which is the mission, philosophy, and purpose, right? And your inner animal, man, you have two. You have the fox and you have the sloth. Yeah. Tell, tell me why that's your inner animal. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 so tough to come up with with just the one, right? And maybe it'll evolve one day, it'll evolve into, into one. But right now it makes sense that I have two. So, I mean, as you, obviously they can't see it, but it says live slow, find flow. And so it's divided into that too. So live slow is that is a sloth. And that doesn't necessarily mean lazy or just not wanting to do anything. It's actually kind of being more mindful, being taking your time, not rushing things, right? Slowing things down just a little bit. So that's kind of represented by the, the sloth for me. Because uh, it's funny to say, I actually see myself as a actually kind of lazy person. And it's funny to say, like, you know, I did a book and all that, but it's like, I'm actually, I prefer not to push myself too much most times um so that's kind of the tapping into that sloth piece sometimes i need to to feed the sloth so to speak but the opposite end i have the the fox who's you know the the fine flow so that's the resourceful one the 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 focused one who's gonna get things done right he's the one who wrote the book right he has the kind of the but they need they need each other and i need to find moments where each of them need to be fed appropriate times and it's so like for example i did a uh i did a conference uh, couple months ago it was a big it was a big deal for me like make become one like a big high profile conference for me and i did a talk and then i I killed it after the it was in kanaskis and so afterwards we had access to the the, you know the spa and the pool and then there's a there's a hot tub there and there's like a cold pool and i caught myself in a moment was like the the conference itself was me fox mode right i was killing it in in the the zone right afterwards i was kind of sitting hot and i'm like oh piece of shit go and go and call it cold tub like you know challenge yourself like go 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 chill in the cold tub see see what you're worth and i caught myself i'm like no no no. like now it's sloth mode like i don't need to tap into fox like you had your time right now it's time for for the sloth to just relax and enjoy taking the moment right so that's kind of my my my, my philosophy and i talk about it in the book and how to create that philosophy but that's kind of comes down to those two kind of animals that kind of that are part of my kind of psyche or whatever you want to call it. But that's kind of how I see myself as two types of, of personas, so to speak. That's pretty awesome. The fact that you have two to reference, right? I feel like so many times when we're trying to figure ourselves out, we we tend to feel like we need to choose, yeah. you know, one element even of, of what our characteristics are and, and how we act. But the fact that you could tap into both, because to a degree they're, they're they're different from one another. Yeah, right. Fox yeah, is like agile, yeah. and you know it's it's witty, and then you have the sloth. To your point, a little bit of element of laziness there. Yeah. Um, for me, it's funny because I don't have that. Like when I think about my inner animal, you know, when Omid and I would talk about this on the show, right behind us, like there's a reason why we have two animals, but they're they're so far different from one another because one is Omid and one is me, but we obviously always talk about the fact that second floor is is, is doesn't exist without both yeah and, you know omid being the wolf and myself yeah. being that that gorilla exactly. right the one that's out there and the so one was i right like, you were the gorilla yeah yeah, yeah. you were right about that <laughs> you were very accurate that's yeah. how you know you know me right <laughs> and I, 
I find that when when you're trying to figure out like what type of animal you are, you need to you need to do what I find you talked about in your book where you need to ask other people how you're perceived, right? Like it's one thing to be like, oh yeah, I'm just like a gorilla and I feel like I am. But then ask others, what do you think? What animal do you think I yeah, am? Yeah. You know, and I, I noticed in one of the self-reflection pieces where it's shared um, in, in your book, Mark, the idea of going to somebody and sharing um it was, I believe, the performance evaluation piece. There was a four quadrants, physical, mm-hmm. mental. Yeah, performance profile. Performance profiling, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I liked how you were talking about taking averages of what someone would, would think you are based off of your rating and other people's rating of you. And I want you to share a little bit about performance profiling uh, for those who haven't read the book yet or that exercise and its importance associated with um, how you could better know uh, what you're doing well on and how to fill out the gaps. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, so that's the idea of kind of getting feedback, right? Feedback is such an important, crucial tool for for any performer. Um, and the idea of performance profiling, so it's a tool that that's kind of has its roots in, in sports psychology research. Um the first name but hardy was the was a researcher who kind of created the performance profile basically it's if you have to visualize a kind of a wheel with like 12 attributes where you can kind of put 12 different skills or attributes that you think you need to improve upon and you basically rate yourself from one to ten on on each of these skills so and then you 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 mentioned that four quadrants right the physical tactical 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 and mental right so you can pick three from from each that you feel you need to kind of work on and so the idea is you had a, it's about reflecting on yourself. Okay, what am I really kind of good at? Where, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? Not just picking things that you're amazing at. You don't want 10 out of 10 to everything because that's one that's not realistic. And then, and there's two that's not going to get you anywhere. But it's like, okay, it, which, which, which one of my pillars am I maybe the strongest at? Is it the physical? Is it technical? It's one of the first things I ask. Like, okay, these are the four pillars. Which one do you think you're, if you had to rate them from one to four, which one would be your, your highest? And most people would rate their mental pillar the, the lowest. It's kind of the most common answer. And then so they rate themselves on each of these these skills, and it's also a tool for for goal setting as well. So okay, now I know I want to improve. I want to improve from a five to a six in this particular skill. So in my conditioning, I want to improve that much. So then you kind of set appropriate goals down the road. But then the the catch here is actually using performance profile to to seek feedback and ask, ask other people if your perceptions of yourself are are accurate or not, because most of the time they're not. Right, especially guys tend to raise themselves way too high, and then girls tend to raise themselves way too low, which is the interesting part, <clears throat> according to the, to, the, to the research. And so it's about seeking out feedback. Okay, so if I rate myself a you know a six out of ten on my you know uh, my takedowns, for example, right, and everyone else rated me as a as an eight, it's like okay, maybe I'm better than I think I am. Maybe I'm just too hard on myself, or maybe the opposite, right? Maybe everyone rated you a four out of ten. Okay, so maybe there's some area to to improve. And so there's a, another piece to this where you got to be comfortable with getting criticism and feedback. Um, but it's about getting to the point where your feedback, your perception of yourself is very in line with kind of everyone else. It's it's never going to be 100% accurate. You know, it depends who you ask. If you ask your mom, your mom is going to you know, rate you a... <laughs> She'll be your biggest fan. Biggest fan, right? <laughs> so it's a, sometimes you need that. Maybe I'd still recommend adding one of those people in there. I recommend getting around three to four people to, to give some feedback, people you trust, you know, people your coaches and someone close to you. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm getting as much as possible, even better. Right. But uh, it's about, yeah, getting those, those averages, getting those sums. And that's just a, a number for you to work with. It doesn't matter what you do. With, it's, it's what you do with it afterwards. Right. You can be down on yourself. Oh, everyone rating is lower, but you can, no, use that as, as data to, to now to improve. Okay. Set some targets now. Hey, I need to improve this much. And also keep in mind, 
that's just someone else's perceptions. And again, it's at the end of the day, you have to be, you know, trusting yourself. And then, but as long as they're pretty similar, pretty in line, that's a, that's a good place to be. Yeah. And I notice how much that was mentioned in the book where you, you have to pay attention to the differences between um, your own internal perspective of, of how you identify yourself compared to the external um, references that you're getting from other people's perspectives. And then again, I love how you had assessments put in place with the scientific based evidence you provided where you mentioned, okay, well, how much of a challenge is it for you to have someone like a coach um, give you feedback? What does that challenge look like? And then what do you think your skill is at with that, with that challenge mixed in with it? And again, it talked about like, okay, what about with your family? What about with your friends? And then what about with your own performance? Like, how are you rating that through skill and challenge? And I noticed those were two huge factors in your book that were associated with flow. Yeah, And that's where, even for me, I started to just pay more attention to what that self-talk looks and feels like. Because I know, based off your book, it referenced how much more at ease and how much less anxiety a person can have based off of what they're telling themselves. And yeah, there's moments in even honestly through the podcast where like if I feel unprepared for a conversation, immediately that feedback loop starts to like create more nervousness going into an episode, right? I, I tell people all the time who ask and there, there's so many more inquiries happening as we continue on where they ask, oh, how do we start a podcast? How do you make this successful? And it's like, honestly, a lot of it is just what you do behind the scenes, yeah. right? Like that level of preparation is so important. But uh, at the end of the day, no matter how prepared you are, it's still going to be a challenge to come off authentic and to reference certain things that come to mind. And I remember in a piece of your book where you shared, Mark, how even the most <laughs> successful athletes can reach a point of um, like, I don't even know what word to use, but they, they freeze, right? Like on the spot because they're thinking too much. They're dwelling on the idea of like, oh, my loved ones are watching me. And they're thinking about everything external. They start to lose that internal piece of, um, let's just say, uh, peace in yeah. them knowing that, you know what? I'm j- I just have to show up like I did every yeah. other day in practice. Yeah. What we're, we're really seeking is not really peace of mind. It's actually peace from our minds. That's the, idea. that's the whole idea of kind of mind without mind. It's a, the idea of not having a, a second mind or an ego standing over our mind with a club and telling us we're doing this wrong or doing this, this correctly, right? There's this idea we have this, these two, almost two selves where one's kind of constantly kind of judging what we're kind of doing. But those moments of when we're just, so the whole that book is really about, about flow, those moments of this rapt attention where we're just fully immersed with what we're doing. And we're not overthinking things. Time either slows down or speeds up. We're not overthinking things. Self-analysis goes out the window and actually what the research shows is actually parts of their brain tend to shut down. It's called uh, uh, transit hyperfrontality, right? So it's, it's a part of the prefrontal cortex of our brain, which houses our understanding of ourselves and perception of ourselves, tends to quiet down. So that, that ego is kind of out of the way. And so we're free to just focus our attention to what we're actually doing, right? And so the idea, and that's why the, the self-awareness chapter is one of the, the longest ones because it's so important. We have to, before we get into any of that, it's really about stepping back and understanding yourself. How am I speaking to myself in, in, a, in, a, in those moments of pressure and your podcast when someone's watching? Where does my mind tend to go? We don't ask ourselves those kind of questions. Like, do I tend to get look too much too inward, right? And I'm focusing too much on myself, or do I focus too much on externally, right? And there's and then we talk about feedback, and so there's 
the internal feedback we give ourselves, and there's also the external feedback we get from other people. It's important to have both to have real uh, skill of self-awareness. I see self-awareness as a skill, but external feedback tends to be out of our control most of the time. We can't control if a coach is going to give us the proper feedback or not, when they're going to give us the feedback, right? But our own feedback is within our control. It's a little less powerful, at least at first. It's obviously nice to have someone say, oh, yeah, great job, right? And that's more power than you saying, yeah, yeah, good job. But over time, if we keep using that as our default, like, yes, you got this, keep going, keep going, right? That becomes sort of the, the habit. And then that becomes more, more, more powerful. And then I think it's always within our control. We can always reach into that, that bucket, right? Um, and then even before we get into, you get into anything, it's about really understanding why you're doing something, right? It's, okay, I want to, I want to, you know, go to the gym. I want to lose this many pounds. Okay, it's great, but why? Right? People don't ask themselves that first question. Why do I want to do this? Is it because I want to look good for other people? Is it because I want to be healthy? So two separate paths, right? And so it's important really to understand what is the why behind that? What am I doing this for, right? And, and so it's you're filtering it through that 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 piece. Um, but yeah, I think we're going a couple different directions here. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to take it to this direction. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought all those points up because it reminded me of how much you, how much more I felt like I could narrow in on the focus of what needs to be accomplished today over the next year, uh, split into um, three different phases of 100 days. And that was something so cool that you laid out. It was one of the biggest reasons why, Marek. I was like, you know what? Can I please have 10 copies of your book mm-hmm. that are sitting down on our table? Because I want to imagine my clients reading your book now is just part of a mandatory program I want to put them through. So they can start seeing how whatever goal that they have, and to be honest, a lot of their goals are very outcome-based, yeah. right? And you shared the uh, so, sort of the the drawbacks that can happen when someone only keeps thinking about the outcome and how you earlier just mentioned how the ego can come in the way of that, when instead you can reflect on, okay, well, what does that process look like? And there were so many moments, even for me in that book, where I recognized like my goal of, oh, becoming a black belt in jujitsu or, oh, one day I want to win worlds. If I just keep thinking and dwelling on that idea without recognizing what needs to be done, like these these small little action items, then I, to be honest, I'm probably less likely to get there yeah. unless I do the exercise that was given in your book. And that was, was so beautifully put. And I want to do it with my clients where you respect, well, what needs to be done right now? You know, okay, you want to... You want to earn your black belt. Okay, now there can be three different um, steps to get there. Well, number one, you, you have to show up at least four to five times a week and train. That's yeah. that, that's that's a goal. That's like its own, do that for 100 days. Well, it's like whatever, what's the most tangible thing you can do in this moment? Because you become a black belt or, or winning world championships. One, is not 100% within your control? I mean, would you agree with that? Like not 100% because there's so many other competitors probably trying to do the same thing, trying to win world championships. Yep. Right? And there's other variables that come into play. And then we just get caught up in that, again, the outcome of, okay, because there's, there's, we have our mind and our body, right? And, if, and then an ideal place for your mind or body are connected in the moment and present. Right, but when we're focused on the outcome. There's a drift. Our mind drifts towards that. Oh, come on, I'm gonna win. I'm gonna do this. Or, and it's very, it's very black and white. Win or lose. Get this or get. Or I don't. Right. But if we're focused on what's actually immediately in front of me, what's next? What's the next thing I can do to help me at least get a step closer to that? And then the next thing, and the next thing. Then there's there's less pressure in that moment because we're just focused on what's what's next. Right. Our attention. It's all about really training our attention to what's here. That's what really essentially goal setting is. Is a is a is focusing your attention. 
Uh, and you can do that in the, in the macro sense, the 100 day plan, right? And, okay, what's what's my main kind of target for just the next 100 days? Don't worry about the next year, the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. 100 days, what's 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 kind of that? You can start with the, the 10 year plan. Okay, I want to do that, right? But then, okay, break that down even further and then break that down even further until you get to the next tangible thing you can, you, you can kind of do. There was something too where you mentioned in those in that process of let's say something that needs to be accomplished in those hundred days to that let's say big year goal you talked about the reevaluation piece let's say that happens on average 20 every 25 days what would you say because this was was something i did want to come and address on the on on our show as opposed to trying to identify it from the book because i wanted to know from you what does that reevaluation look like 25 days in 50 days in like guide me through what one would need to reevaluate. And I'm asking this from the perspective of clients who felt so it's almost like they feel worse about themselves. If they feel like they're not halfway in to accomplishing that goal, 50 days into the hundred, do you know what I mean? Like what, what would be some questions or thought processes you would suggest Mark, you would want to give when you're reevaluating where you're at with that goal? Yeah. No, it's it's a good question, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Alex Honnold, the free climber. The oh, is he the so- one who does it with like without any? So yeah, so free solo. Yeah, uh, he uh, climbs crazy mountains, and he has some some old records, and yeah, he's yeah basically climbs huge mountains with with no harm, but no nothing. It's nuts. Uh, but he said one of the best quotes he said is, and that kind of ties us into into places. Strong goals loosely held, right? Set those those high goals. But don't hold on to them, you know, too too firmly. Really make them flexible. That's the whole idea of having those revision periods. And twenty five days, fifty days, it doesn't matter what what dates those are. Those are just kind of places. It's just nice to have 25, 50, 75. Um, but it could be really any any time really. But it's about coming back to them and just kind of check in. Okay, am I? Is this? Are these goals working? How do my? How's my challenge? Is it? Is it too challenging? Is it not too challenging enough? If it's too too challenging, reduce it. That's okay. It don't have to be set in stone. I completely, COVID happened. I completely revamped my whole entire goal setting plan. I had the whole thing planned. I scratched everything off. I completely re- revamped it, but that's okay. And I yeah. think people get caught up in like, I need to have this goal. I wrote it down. It has to be, I have to do this. But that's, that, that, that's ego coming to play, right? It's like, oh, I have to do this. Or so those priorities change. Exactly. Right? And, and, and that's the thing. Things can shift. And that's, and that's because it's, it's the whole point of that hundred plan is to make it flexible with life, with things that change. Maybe you had a target and you already reached that target. Okay, now it's time to, to change it, right? And always kind of constantly, rev- it's it's about kind of like having guardrails, like, you know, you're, you're bowling and then that's what, when you're when you're younger, you have those guardrails to keep it in the out of the gutter, right? So it's, that's kind of the idea. It's like, okay, there, it hits the wall. Okay, go back into course correct into where I need to go. So the whole idea is to improve and, and progress and, 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 and develop and not just, you know, check things off just because it makes you feel good, right? Yeah, and you know what? I feel like it's only until very very recently actually like this would be the first time i'm saying this out loud right now where i just need to be less hard on myself for something i feel like that i may not accomplish in time and that's where i recognize again sometimes we're just our worst critic Mm -hmm. um you know i have just two major courses i needed to get done Uh, one is nutritionally based and one is strength based um and a part of it is yeah honestly just becoming a better strength and conditioning coach and being able to serve my clients better and, and help them progress with their goals they have through fitness and health but it's been a whirlwind of a year. And again, there's just moments where I feel like, okay, is that just me using that as an excuse? But yeah, when I think about where I was at last year, where I just began this journey of like being a full-time fitness professional, and I just recognize how 
I recently just transferred a new location with bigger responsibilities and a bigger team to manage. I just put on uh, a plate of, you know, being coached by two professionals in kickboxing and jujitsu. And, you know, that's taken more time out of my hands. And I just created two new clubs. And again, not to not to just share all the things that I've been doing, but I had to tell myself, well, Kenny, you may need to pay more money to extend these courses, or you might just not get it done. And you have to accept that because so much has happened. That was great, but now you're just being too damn hard on yourself. And I'm starting to accept like, okay, well, it's worth the reinvestment to pay for the courses. It's worth the extra extension. And I feel like we put, again, back to our goals of, Last year when I said I'm going to complete it at this time, and if I'm not doing it, well, now I'm just putting now now I'm putting off this feeling of making myself feel like a failure. When in reality, it's like okay, well, wait, look at what happened. Look at all the other great stuff that happened, and look what needed my time. You know, it demanded my attention. So there were some shifts that 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 happened, and I feel like because I didn't allow myself to have those reevaluation periods, I never did that. I'm, I'm only just learning about yeah. this reading your book. I let myself. I let myself. I, I I I let unnecessary energy go into. Oh, you idiot! You can't. You can't even find an hour to study mm-hmm. every day. Oh, you you can't even find it. Like, what are you doing? Oh, like you say yes to everything else. You can't say no to this. Well, to be honest, it's because it's like the the idea of studying for me. It's always it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, right. No one like, likes to do it really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're, you're you're no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. Yeah. Right. And we have this idea. We are, and then we think our identity is set in stone. We think we are set in stone. And then going back to like the being hard on yourself, that's why the whole idea of the the sloth and the fox. That's why I have that. I need to represent it by something. So to remind myself to tap into that, it's okay to tap into the the laziness. It's it's especially again. I think we talked about this before, which is that that results oriented society where we're always constantly go go. Especially during the pandemic, where everyone's trying to show who who's the busiest and who's getting the most, who's winning the pandemic, who's winning quarantine, right? And that's and that's and that's ridiculous. It's and we're doing things that are just. Uh, then again, not really doing things because we want to do them. That's why I'm saying take a step back, reflect. Hey, what's really necessary? What are what are my goals? Really, don't just set goals just for set goals. Just do something just because everyone else is doing something. What do you really want to do? Right, and that's mm-hmm. the whole idea of, of self awareness and taking a step back. And most people, I think, don't do that. And 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 it, and it rears his ugly head down the road with burnout, with, with self judgment, and all that because we're just setting the wrong types of goals. Right, but if you like, if I set the you know my the whole. I wouldn't write written the book if it wasn't for for, for process goals. I kept focusing. I need to I need to publish this. I need to publish this. I need to be famous. I need to. I know I'm not gonna be famous. I'm not, I know it's not gonna sell a ton. The whole point of this was for me to to hold this book in my hand. That was the value of mine. That was the whole purpose of that. I'm finding myself now moving some of the goalposts. So we can get into that. But uh, it's about it's the whole process to you sit down and, and write and it's it's difficult. It's not enjoyable, right? But if you kind of set up many mini targets for yourself right title the page first goal check you get the momentum okay write 100 words okay check and then you get into a rhythm you get the momentum and again it's easier to get into that kind of flow state so it's about setting the right conditions surrounding your goals and we talk about flow triggers flow conditions to to help you ease that process it's about and flow at at its core it's about doing things that that are enjoyable that's what's it's intrinsic motivation it's it's something that it's going to keep you long term it's going to help you you know pursue those goals long term there's no point of uh, you know working out for every day for 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 a few months and then not doing anything ever again it's about that long term are you gonna not gonna burn out quickly you know canada burns quickly and dies out no it's about long prolonging that career too and i kind of get into that a little bit in, in the book as well like what's 
the successful athlete, what's the successful person? Is the person who won the most trophies, is the one who's the GOAT, right? Or was the one who kind of successfully transitioned to a new venture, a new career with a family? And it's like, is that success as well? But again, depending on what, what's your definition of success, mm-hmm. right? When you talk about, you know, that, that feeling of success and, and really the, the theme associated with your book is, is that word flow. And I, I really like how to this day, it's something that could be defined in, in so many different ways, right? And, and there's a raw definition that you put in the book, Marek, and I just want to read it. And the unique thing about flow is when you referenced how there's this psychological element and a social element and an environmental element, that made a lot of sense for me, especially um, where I relate to always finding the the urge to just find something new. Like, for instance, something as simple as a new coffee shop. I, I love the idea of going to a brand new setting or like setting my laptop out, mm-hmm. fresh it's cappuccino, right? Theory, yeah. It is, yeah, because it's just you know, serotonin and dopamine levels go up because it's something that you haven't experienced before. And it can it can set you up again for that level of success, because now you're you just you feel like it's something that um, it's not something you're always used to. And when you're used to something, human beings, what happens is we get bored. And then through that level of boredom, I remember on your chart that's when i believe someone has such a high level of skill it's like they could walk in with their eyes closed right when you feel like you're really good at something okay then if it's not challenging enough for you to like you know maneuver your way through it then you're going to be bored and that's how i felt with running lately where raj takes me on these trails and all of a sudden i have no idea what step to take where we're gonna go going down and you're just you can't think of anything else other than being in that moment because it's so new this episode is brought to you by taproot edmonton which publishes curiosity driven stories topical newsletters and locally focused podcasts all in the service of informing edmontonians about their community The Pulse. Want to start your day informed? Check out The Pulse, Taproot's new daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a bit of whimsy from features such as a moment in history, chart of the week, and the Friday podcast pick. And it's free. Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. Yeah. Right? That's why I, love, that's why it's, I prefer trail running because you never know kind of what you're going to get, right? It's so fun. And sometimes I find, you know, the road running sometimes it can be boring, obviously. Uh, but so yeah, trail runs, yeah, you can, you have to be kind of drop kicks you in the moment because especially during this time now like when springtime when it's a little bit icy a little bit muddy it gets a little fun so i recommend yeah yeah doing no it's a yeah. good time if anyone wants experience flow state go trail running yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the the definition is you know when you shared in page 42 just recapping the what is flow portion of the book you shared flow is an optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and we perform at our best um, in flow, we may experience all or some of the following. And, um, you know, you shared complete concentration, having a sense of control, altered perception of time. So things slowing down in the moment um, or even or things speeding up, speeding up yeah. right? Yeah. And loss of self-consciousness, the merging of action and awareness 
and then having uh, this high level of intrinsic motivation. Um, those are uh, what I liked is six components of what you went in depth on in the book. Now, you, just to reiterate, those are not my research. It's it's, it's years and years of other re- better researchers. Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, notably, most notably, he's the godfather of flow. Yeah. So I just kind of reiterated his his research and some other ones. Of but, course, and he's referenced a lot in the yeah. book, which is you know I'm sure is he still alive to this yep. day? Yeah. He 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 should be listening to this podcast one day, <laughs> and he's get, he's getting mad shout outs from Brett Mark here. <laughs> but um, man, like when you brought it down to the following acronym it was the stair right s-t-e-r so definition of flow in regards to what we just said is you know having selflessness involved timelessness uh, effortlessness and then information richness can you just share with us marek with stare in mind how flow can like how someone can pretty much better understand flow and 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 get the hang of implementing it in what they do through those four concepts and that's a lot at once but even if you share any one of those right now that you want to talk about and, and referencing it to whatever someone is doing right now yeah and i mean yeah sir so that's kind of an acronym that helps just simplify those kind of uh conditions this is what we experience right the selflessness uh timelessness right the effortlessness information information richness uh, there's obviously more to that but if you want to kind of a quick reminder those are kind of good ones but it's no, no we're noting that even if you train all these kind of and again to book and the conditions of how to kind of train flow and how to get into it there's no guarantee that you're going to get into flow just by kind of doing some of these things it's the whole idea is it's it's making you more kind of flow prone hmm. as a and i reference a story in the book about uh, the monk uh and, and the master uh, who kind of goes up to his master he's like oh teach me how to become you know enlightened i want to be you know you're uh you seem like you know what you're doing like you have everything's figured out like teach me how to become enlightened like you and the master says oh it's all this training is a, it's just an accident uh and then he's like what do you mean alignment is, is an accident like are you getting me to, to train you know meditate for 10 hours a day and doing all these exercises all for it just to be an accident he's like ah yes but it makes more accident prone and so that's the whole idea with, with flow as well so you can you create these these conditions environmental psychological social and and you're increasing the likelihood of, of flow to occur uh and then so with with flow i mean so there's the idea of, of, of selflessness this goes back to what we talked about that transit hyperfrontality that part of the brain where we where we house our, our higher cognitive functions so where we we have self-analysis so we, we think about things our perception of time is also is, is kind of in, in that area as well so that's why when there's less activity in that part of the brain they, uh, they did this actually kind of scanning people's brains and flow mostly rappers in flow and mm-hmm. they were kind of in flow in their wrapping they kind of did an fmri and they found that those parts of brains tend to, to kind of uh, not necessarily shut down because no part of the brain shuts down completely but there's less activity and it, it down regulates so that, that kind of uh, talk that's why we kind of perceive time to sometimes be you know either going too slow or too too fast um and then perception of self again that that second mind the, sec- the ego kind of goes out of the way so that's that kind of idea of of, of getting out of your own way uh, so that kind of happens uh, in flow everything feels kind of effortless and almost like as if you're not the one kind of doing it right yeah a snowboarder feels like they're the snowboard is controlling them not the other way around they're so they're fully embodied with what they're doing there's a emerging with the action and awareness what you're doing and, and your perception of it's kind of merged it's there's no kind of uh, judging this or that right so it can happen in, in conversations in podcasts i'm sure you've experienced probably plenty of flow states and conversations that's how I, one of my main flow triggers is, is through kind of conversations i love kind of conversing so i get into flow states like that but 
uh, you know, high risk, you know, sports like trail running or, you know, jujitsu, all these things, those are ripe for, for flow conditions as well. So sport is obviously a huge one. That's why I can, the, the book is morally mostly catered towards athletes with their mind, but anyone can experience kind of flow, you know, coders and anyone can experience those, those, those things. Right. So, uh, and I, yeah, I mentioned obviously there's psychological conditions, uh, that we get kind of, you just kind of listed off, but there's obviously environmental ones that you mentioned, um, making sure there's novelty in, in, in the environment. Um, there's, there's feedback in the environment, both internally, externally. We kind of talked about that as well. And there's other other social conditions as well. So those teams, groups get into a, a flow state as well. And that's more difficult because there's more variables and more people involved. Oh, yeah. Right. But it's actually more pleasurable what the kind of research shows because we're social beings. We enjoy being, you know, in, in a group. So it's more enjoyable to to be in those those moments when the whole group is getting into the same kind of rhythm and almost as one organism. Right. So it's almost pleasurable kind of spaces that uh, human beings can get into and we all kind of strive towards to get into that state and and what research also shows the more we experience flow in our lives actually the life satisfaction well-being actually goes up as well and it's and it's funny actually we get flow by actually doing challenging things there's a study i referenced in the book they compared rock climbers versus people who are just sitting at home watching tv and people sitting at home watching tv ironically enough had more anxiety had less <laughs> You know, opportunities for flow than the ones who are doing something scary as you know rock, climbing big mountains and that's you think that'll be more anxiety you know provoking but it's like they're actually experiencing more flow yeah what's challenging about sitting down comfortably in your household binge watching netflix yeah you know not, there's a time and place for it yeah. but i mean that that level of uh fomo one can get if they're watching someone else doing that as opposed to being like what if what if i just did that yeah you know, i'm watching a documentary on someone hiking why am i not at least trying what this yeah. is like yeah yeah you know and I find when you say that, what comes to mind is the ability of asking yourself, no matter how much older you get, is being like, okay, well, what am I doing in my life that's relatively challenging or that relatively is going to progress me to, let's just say, getting that 1% better. Yeah. I love how you shared that. Oh, like it, it clicked so much for me where you did the, what is one to the power of 365? That was James Clear uh, from Atomic Habits. Yeah, the book. yeah he's, great book. He, yeah. And it's like, you know, you go 1.01, all right, all of a sudden you're roughly, what, 36 times better than you were a year later. And this is just talking about like, okay, what if you just 1% a day, you're doing something that's gradually going to get you better at what you're doing. That's the process. The 1% is the process. What can I do? One little thing instead of focusing on, because our brains don't like big, huge tasks, use goals. It's too much anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. So breaking it down to 1%, hey, I can do 1%, right? It's totally doable. And like... This is the thing about the world we live in now where I'll be honest, if I think about how often we're forced and I won't even say forced. I just think how often we excuse ourselves to multitask, right? I'm very guilty of it sometimes. I have a bad habit and it needs to stop where, you know, in between driving and at red lights. Well, let's, go, let's, go, let's go back there. Let's, 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 cause that you mentioned, I need to, yeah, yeah. Something I need to change. That language. <laughs> right? There's, and then, and I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just, that's, those are the things that we need to start to catch ourselves and explore. Like, why did I say need? Yeah. Like, do I actually need this? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think if I finish the sentence, you're going to be like, yeah, you better change that. But <laughs> it's like, I, 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 it would be ideal obviously for the health of others and myself the safety to to not text at red lights right like okay if i'm driving i'm driving like put on a good song put on a playlist let's not look at the phone let's focus on you know 
this is the task at hand is driving. But we're, we have the ability now in our day and age, Mark, to multitask. And I find that when we are trying to capture flow state and when I notice the moments in my life where I capture it, it's when I'm just focusing on one thing. And that's why when you talk about that little element of timelessness and not worrying about what time it is. And even I catch myself when I'm training clients. Look at the clock. How much time, how much time do I have left with them? You know, what more do I need to do? Ah, you know what? I have the game plan. I relatively know we can get this done in an hour. If I need to check the clock for when the next client's coming, I'll, I'll have an idea that we're almost done. Then I'll look at it. I started doing that more often with my clients. And now I'm, I'm more engaged yeah. in the process as opposed to, oh, look at the time. Oh, look at my phone. Oh, um try and during work like during work email don't finish the email oh now do something else and it's like when you focus at one task at hand it's why i'm so addicted to jujitsu you do get to capture that flow state because now that you have nothing else to distract you or pull you away from doing that it's getting harder and harder i hear you it's 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 not only you i mean i think everyone listening uh, is going through the same thing we're just constantly bombarded by 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 dopamine machines right and that's yep. why part three was dedicated to, to recovery and, and and talking about social media and, and protecting your attention right uh it was a herbert simon economist he said uh a wealth of, of a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention right it's the idea there's so much going on around us that we're, we can't kind of focus on one thing and then uh, and then another quote uh, this is from back in the 17th century this philosopher said man's problem is that he can't sit in the room alone for 30 minutes with his thoughts it's like most of us can't just sit around just sit literally just sit with yourself for for 30 minutes seems like torture for most people Mm -hmm. right but as and that's that's the training it's becoming i'm not saying go jumped into just 30 minutes right away but like start with focus for one minute right 30 seconds can i just focus on, on this thing right and just focus on my breath for for for, for 10 seconds right start with with, with that that's that one percent right it's not going to i need to be a monk you know tomorrow yeah it's like that's 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 it's and then i talk about a book you don't you don't even have to be good to get to that level to see benefits even two weeks of, of meditation training there's have shown to be beneficial or 10 minutes a day for, for two weeks and that's 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 not you know crazy amount you can find 10 minutes out of your day to, to sit right and kind of do nothing and that's and that's the the whole idea so multitasking is, is, is a myth it's we're, we're, what's happening is we're actually just shifting from one task to another and what happens is there's a cost for each shift that we, we take mm-hmm. every day we have a, a limited amount of cognitive energy and space that we can focus on things and we, every time we shift from one one email to, to social media to this and this there's a cost i can't tell you what percentage or what amount what the exact number is but it's like there's a cost that, with, with that shift and then we can and then that's where we can we feel worse after we feel drained right but if we focus on just kind of one thing at a time for set a goal of, okay, I'm going to focus for this thing for 30 minutes, we should end to, to feel better after, you know, with, with just focus on one thing. It's neat you say that because recently uh, we had Cassius, you know, he got a message on social media from somebody who knew him. And this actually, like, I don't, I don't even think he knows how much this like resonated with me where someone's like, man, like, how are you doing all these things? And, you know, like, how do you afford the time to do it? And he's like, he said, it was just that very question because I've had other people tell me too, or, oh, how do, you, how do you feel like you're going to be successful if you're trying so many different things? I know there's a lot of listeners out there like us who they thrive in this ability to juggle multiple different ventures, whether they're related or not, but that's just how they choose to live their life. And Omid just said like, hey, like I, Omid Cassius, however way people want to interpret or know him as, but he just said, this is just like, 
this is what I this is what I thrive to do, and I love I love how I live my life, and I know it's different, but um, this this is how I choose to live it, and it's how I get things done. And the thing is about recognizing what he said in in regards to our conversation about like making sure you're focusing on one task at hand is I always ask myself, you know, when I'm going into something, what hat am I wearing? And I, and I recognize the importance of that. Even like it's, it's, it's a visual um, interpretation of how I'm presenting myself in the moment, you know, going into this conversation. Okay. I am, I am second floor podcast, Kenny, you know, going into good life, 9am tomorrow. I'm, I'm fitness manager, Kenny. Right, like going into jujitsu that evening. Okay, I'm competitor Kenny. Like just recognizing that it's okay for you to to be able to have multiple hats on, uh, but recognize like what is that hat that you're gonna wear? That is is the the one hat you're going as. Because if the, th- the the thing is, is yeah, it can kind of how are you get muddy if you're wearing both hats at the same time, and now you're not too sure which version of yourself you're bringing to the table. You know, so like recognize going into a conversation. Going into a social media platform, I'll tell you what helps me, Mark, is when I go on social media, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I spend, obviously, I'll be honest, a lot of time on there putting content out there. You know, I'll be on the apps as a, to a degree, I'll put on my producer hat, but not as a consumer. If, if I decided to go on there and constantly look at other people's, you know, posts, Okay, now I'm going to be living on social media right now. So what, what is your I'm curious, what is your relationship with, with social media? Because I mean, and I, I talk about this in the book, but I, 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 I hate social media, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm actually taking a break right now. Uh, this month I'm at, uh, I'm on, on it because, and this is, that comes back, only goes back to self-awareness, understanding, you know, how are these things making you feel and, and when they start to happen, I'm, I was starting to notice, I was uh, starting to compare a bit more again and, and, and judge myself and see, oh, this person did this and this and this. So sometimes the best method is, okay, I'm just going to, you know, you know, step off for a little while. But what is your relationship? I mean, do you find fulfillment from it? Do you get lost in, in rabbit holes or what's... This is where I'm at with it right now. So that's a great question, actually. I, I had this conversation with a good friend of mine. Her and I were talking and we were both honest and I, I was... I was giving her advice on, on how she comes off on social media and vice versa. We just both came to the agreement that like we're only showing one aspect of ourselves. Like there's so many different sides to both of us, right? But well, there's only this one yeah. facade we're I only show on. the fox, not the sloth. Yeah, 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 yeah. literally, yeah. right? So we were just trying to encourage one another to be like, hey, like how can we showcase different side of ourselves? So I think that's even just that conversation is the the sad reality of the world we live in today with people who are quote unquote influencers where we're trying to think so much on social media about how we can appease our audience when in reality it's like does that even exist like you know what i mean like yeah it does there's people liking and engaging with our content but i mean before this the only people we'd want to or try to impress or even impress aside like live a nice happy life with are the, are the ones in our inner circle that's yeah. it yeah. that's as far as it went well that's what i talked about before like when with the book when i was starting to move my goalposts and that's directly correlated with, with social media the whole point of the book before was i just want to hold in my hand and that was success to me and then so but then started getting some little attraction some attention people were commenting like you know yeah, i'm starting to feel uh, getting some dopamine hits right it's like okay so maybe i should I should sell a little more maybe i should show this i mean this and getting caught up in that in that loop right and that's and that's when it gets kind of a kind of toxic and that's why it's very important to understand what are those values what's what's the why behind 
writing a book, doing this, whatever you want. What's, what does it really mean to you? What's that? What's that? If no one was watching, would you still do it? Right. That's the yeah. whole idea of it. And I, and, I, and yeah, hundred percent. I would write it if no one was watching. That's, that's the whole reason I started. Right. And so that, and that's, that needs to be clear. And I think most people are just not very clear. Like even not to, uh, right on, uh, on, uh, on podcasts but everyone has a podcast nowadays right <laughs> yeah. and it's like i was like oh, should i start a podcast i'm like yeah. well like i said like, came across your mind right? yeah but i was like no but there was, there was a strong enough why behind it for me to, yeah. to start a podcast right and so that's why i was like i'm not gonna just do it just because everyone else is doing it and gonna get into it this is why i'm glad you talk about the why though because then you, for myself and i'm sure others is when you post something online ask yourself why am i putting this out there yeah right like for me now my my whole entire let's just say the past year in general when i think about posting i just ask myself is this relative to promoting health and wellness is this photo is this message is it to a degree related back to the industry that i'm in because yes you can argue that from the business perspective and potentially gaining more clients or potentially being an advocate in that space yeah whatever you're posting is that one percent that we talked about earlier that's going to help shape you up to be Mm -hmm. that individual on the other end though let's be honest it's for the sake of getting more attention yeah like like i'd be a liar to you if i told you that yeah i you know there's, there's moments where i I, I, I'd be lying to you if I told you, oh, no, I don't do it for the attention. Yeah. And I, I find it. Yeah. And that's okay. And, yeah, and that's, that's okay. okay to admit that. But it's like, is it really, is that really what's fulfilling you? Is it really yeah. in line with what you really want? No, Ask exactly. yourself what you really want. Because your time is so precious. And I think that's another thing that I'm starting to recognize too, where I'm like, even just being on here and producing content, it takes a lot of damn time, right? Like it's it's a lot of time out of your day and hands. So whatever it is that it's doing, again, going back to, I think when we talk about reassessments, to be like, okay, well, okay, the past three months, I posted a variety of this. Where did it get? Where did it get us on the platform? Where did it take second floor? Where did it take me as a health professional? If you could kind of factor those in to the conversation of the, why you're continuously putting yourself out there, okay, then go ahead. However, there's there's other people who aren't on there business-wise, and maybe they're just posting up selfies and all oh, of them going out. And they ask themselves, did this make me feel better about myself? Or did it make it feel worse? Yeah. And for some people, for most people, sometimes it's like, oh, it actually made me feel worse. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what people don't ask themselves those questions. They just get, when they, and they just start feeling those, those negative feelings again, they just go back on social media. But then they don't, they don't get curious with that feeling. Okay. I'm feeling worse, you know, just scrolling mindlessly, constantly scrolling mindlessly. And it's like, experiment with yourself. Go a day without going on social media. Can you do that? Most people ask them, they're like, oh, no, I can't, that's, no, I can't do that. People, people are, you know, they're, they're depending on me. It's like, it's like no, it's like I, every year I do like a, at least a month, no social media. Cleanse, right? And then, then kind of doing that now a little bit. And I always feel better. Always. And it's, the world goes on without me on there. Like nothing changes. Yeah. If it's important enough, I'm going to hear about it in some way, one form or another. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's. It's really asking, is this really conducive to who I am and what I want, what I want to do with my life? Do I want to spend most of my time on social media? It's like, and especially with like my, the, like the sports psych field, it's, it's kind of toxic in that way where it's people, or, and not to say like, I'm not guilty of, of doing this in the past, but it's like, I'm trying to get better on this, but it's like posting about, you know, a team or an, or an athlete they worked with without and it's like, what is the point of that? Is it what values are they bringing to anyone else? You're just posting just because you're showing that you worked with this person X or Y. Yeah. And this is another, I'm sure this is in other fields as well. I worked with this person, this and this. Like, that's that's the only post. Like, what's 
what's the whole point of that? What value is that bringing? Well, yeah, anyway? you have to go back to the value. Yeah, and so and that's why I was kind of need to kind of st- take a step back too. And obviously, with I fully understood with the book, I needed to promote it. I don't mm-hmm. like to be I don't like to be a center of attention. Well, I mean, I have a weird relationship with that. I, I kind of do. I like to perform. But I don't like being a certain intention. Mm. Uh, and maybe can get into that because I think that's kind of interesting. But yeah. uh, but uh, not the idea. It's like but so I knew I needed to promote the book. I needed to get some some testimonials and all this, and then and then, you know posted all this. And, but then I fully knew that I need to just kind of step back after a while and just like let it kind of simmer. Uh, but that's so even you being here today, or just in general, the idea of promoting the book does it make you feel? uncomfortable there's an element of the challenge 100 percent. 100 percent. there's there's right. there's a uncomfortability with it because uh, then it's it's messing with the maybe the why a little bit mm. and it's like the the why is the goal is complete but now there's like other elements adding on to it uh but at the same time like i do want i do feel this value in this and i do want to, to share this but at the same time it's like uh i'm not I don't want to be like, oh, I'm the expert. I'm telling you what to do. Like, I know all these things, right? So it's like there's an element of that where it's like uh, there's you know there's other sources. Why do I have to be the one kind of providing that, right? So it's like now I'm, everything I do now, I've because right now it's actually a, like we talked about this over the phone. I was like the post production blues, right? It's like uh, you know the same thing happens after like the when athletes come back from the Olympics and then work four years and then done. Okay, now what? And so it's, I had a little bit of a moment over that. It's like, okay, now what? And so I was like very unmotivated for a long little while. I didn't want to do anything. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, why am I doing this? What, what's what's coming next? And so I did, oh, maybe I should make this video. And then I was like, why? Right? And it's like, oh, maybe I should do this. Well, why? What's what's really the purpose? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a, maybe a good or bad thing. Uh, maybe I'm asking why too much, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but I'm really kind of really, where's, what's, what is this for? What am I, if I made this video, what is it really for? And then, uh, and it's almost like a filter. It's like, uh, am I doing this video just so I can get more attention and likes here? Or is this something I actually enjoy doing? If, I, like, if this is a topic I want to talk about just for fun, like, okay, maybe there's something there and let's pursue that. But if it's like, if it doesn't pass that test of, okay, this is just just to get something out there because everyone else is doing something right now. So it's like, you know. What you said, I find relates to the portion of the book where you talk about that MPP, right? Where it's like, okay, well, figure out what your mission is and then find out your, we're talking about it right now, the purpose, which is that why, and then the philosophy. And when you shared your philosophy in the beginning of the episode, you know, talking about living slow and finding flow, you know, once you recognize that that's how you're going to go about it, then when you figure out that why part, this is the way I look at it. And and I don't know how much this might help you in the promotion of the book, but just recognizing that like now that the product is out there, every conversation, every opportunity to talk about it in a, in a social media setting, in-person setting on a podcast platform will give you the opportunity to potentially have one more person better understand uh, how to live your philosophy. Yeah. You know, because your philosophy, I'm sure, is something that you want to share and carry over to other people. Well, the mission itself, I'm sure what the mission is, yeah. is uh, to increase the amount of time people spend in flow, right? And the, and the why behind it is because, as I talk about in my book, there's there's benefit to being in flow. It's, it's It produces a lifetime of fulfillment and satisfaction. The more you experience these moments of rapt attention and immersed, focused attention of what you're doing in the moment, the more happiness you tend to, to experience. Right, and so that's what kind of uh, the mission is. I want to. Doesn't matter if it's sport or whatever it is. That's I'm, tra- I'm transitioning into another kind of area to to ask those broader questions. How do you live a life of 
of increasing more flow, right? And that's a unique thing. And I know we could possibly talk about your career transition through this, where you shared with me how you're going to be uh, guiding through um, anyone who's navigating a big career change, right? Like you've gone from helping athletes experience flow to now through navigating someone, pivoting a completely different career path, how if they captivate that feeling of flow and they they they, they take principles you learn in the book, they, they can make that a very successful transition, right? And I, I wanted to share, I wanted to share this because this is how I look at it. When I look at someone like Angela Duckworth, right? She she wrote that New York Times bestselling book, Grit. You, you think of the word grit, now you can't help but think of Angela, right? You look at James Clear, Atomic Habits. You see how this is someone where you think of the word habits, now you can't help but think about them. And even for you, you know, this is me putting on my branding hat, like, you know, my, my marketing background coming into play is you almost now are like walking about the earth with this written book and more to come going, hey, yeah, I'm the flow guy. You know, like I, I own that word. And that's what I loved about uh, Lewis Howes with, with, with the word greatness. He was a huge inspiration for me behind why I wanted to start podcasting. And he said it himself. He's like, you know what? I'm going to own that word. Greatness. I'm like, when people think of greatness and, and, and what greatness means or is, they're going to think about my name. And it's just like when you wake up every day and you think about how like eventually, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people are going to respect you for putting this word that already exists, this concept that exists but you dug so deep into that concept. You decided to provide even more assessment pieces and tools. And yeah, sure, they already exist and maybe some are from your own interpretation. But what's beautiful is you've cultivated it into one program. And, and you know, I, I'll just end it on this note, Mark, where it's like people need to respect and understand that just because a concept exists right now doesn't mean you can't elevate it into something that like could be your own. Because you're just tying in your own personal experiences with it. That's like us. Like we didn't, we didn't create the concept of second floor. Second floor, you know, the idea of elevating, getting to the next level, that exists. But like we're taking in our own experiences and conversations and we're owning that word. Yeah. When people think of second floor, they're like, oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. When people think creativity is like, oh, just completely creating something new. That doesn't exist. Every creative art, creative music, anything. It's always just taking bits and pieces of your entire experience of life of other people and then having your own flavor and your own taste on it. And that's and that's not that's that's what creativity is. It's about being open to, to new ideas and seeing cross sections in different areas. So, like for example, for my my my, my career transition, it's like okay, I had to this this, this skill set of of coaching uh, you know athletes, performers, and in, in, in mental training, sports psychology. But it's like how I can I cross reference that with maybe a different kind of field that's kind of similar and very similar tools in like career coaching, career development, and how I can merge those and it kind of became like almost a natural fit. And that's where breakthroughs kind of sometimes happen i'm saying i'm not saying i'm going through a breakthrough but that's what happens in different areas like how can you take something and then go almost a completely different area and then see how they kind of fit and if it fits oh, then those are the kind of great breakthroughs right and that's the kind of the, the interesting part and then and i think that's something with even like for you guys with like podcasts but then adding element of video that changing completely changes the the game and it's already people are more engaged and wanted to, to see a little bit more Right. Mm -hmm. And then or the element of, okay, there's a podcast for, for health and wellness. And then there's the business side. And it's like, okay, how can we kind of, that's be having a, a higher tolerance for, for failure, like aiming towards failure, right? Always going towards, that's how you learn things. You, you know, learn things, uh, you find new ways of doing things by constantly mm -hmm. failing. You know, when you talk about that element of 
failure and embracing it and you know you don't you don't tr- you, you don't succeed in something until you you try it out is um it reminds of your four stages of mastery mm. right and there is a component there where i feel like it's stage two where it's the conscious incompetence mm-hmm. and that's where it's like i love how you put it in the book it's like you understand how much you suck like you, you know, into stage two out of four, let's say, of like really becoming a master at it, where you recognize the deficit, and, and this is right out of your book, and the value of this skill, and then you begin addressing the deficit. So you have this concept of, you know, the more I fail, the more I'm going to learn. And it's interesting how I relate that so much to jujitsu. Like this hit me so heavily, where someone can start off in jujitsu and, and they could be in stage one and they could be like, in that unconscious incompetence level where they're almost thinking like, you know, they give it a try, but they don't recognize that. Sorry. They like, they pretty much at that level don't realize how hard it is to master this. Like they, they, there's this level of unappreciation for it. Well, is that, and if you got to a point of the Dunning-Kruger effect in the book yet, mm-hmm. right? The idea of in the, when the, the more, you know, the more, you know, you don't know. But that's the funny thing. And then the research is done in Kruger. They found this uh, over across domains, especially with professors uh, heading into like Ivy League schools, you know, uh, PhD students coming in for the first time. And on the walls, they have Einstein. They have, you know, all these famous kind of scholars. And they, they're thinking to themselves, what the fuck am I doing here? Like, I'm yeah. not good enough. And they found us so consistently, like everyone felt that way. Well, everyone, but most people felt that way heading into those, those moments. Their confidence is so low, even though their expertise is quite high. Right, and then the funny thing is that people who are actually low expertise have high confidence in the beginning. It's like because they don't know how much there is to learn in, in this in this in this group. And I think I heard this summer, but I think in the in the especially in the in the martial arts with 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 the belts, there's a I don't remember which color it is, but there's a cross section where between let's say yellow, maybe green or whatever. Mm. It's where it's close enough where you know the the level of mastery is not that you know kind of different, but the uh, the confidence is way higher on the person who's kind of on that lower kind of uh, skill level. Yeah, and they yeah. think they know, but they don't really know, right? And it, it sometimes hits hard where they, they understand. Okay, there's actually so much more I need to to look to learn. And then so when you're if anyone's listening and their confidence is dipping, that, that's actually a good thing. That means you're understanding the the topic a little more. You're broadening your perspective. You're understanding just so much more to to learn in this. And so eventually the confidence does kind of go back up once you start accepting, realizing, you know, there's so much more I don't know. Right, and, that, and that's okay. That's literally me right now. Is a is a purple belt halfway through my journey uh, to, to to getting to black belt in jujitsu. Is like it, it it's humbling myself all over again to learn everything that I haven't learned yet. The beginner's you know, like, mind. I talk about. Yeah, the beginner's mind. Exactly, and that's something where it's beautiful because he, as much as I could say, oh, why haven't I learned this yet? It's just there's so many layers to jujitsu. Like there's so much to learn to the point where, like to give you a concept, I'm doing moves with my legs now. Before I was very upper body dominant. So I would just stick with, you know, let's wrestle him, let's take him down, let's rely on my strengths. Now, instead of building upon my strengths to make them stronger, I'm taking essentially my weaknesses, places where I feel very vulnerable, Mm -hmm. And I'm going, okay, well, let's learn as though I'm a white belt all over again. Yeah, like that's, I, the, that's the beginner's mind. Can I be yeah. a, can, can I constantly be a white belt? 
kind of constantly in a, in a, in a state of, of learning. And, and that's, I think, what's, because like you said, it's, it's, it's vulnerable being, bringing those, those, those flaws to the surface. It's ego coming to play. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be good and all this, right? But I think the, the top performer understands and accepts that that's go towards that discomfort. That's where, where true mastery is going to happen. Well, you become far more on a personality level calm through the process. Like psychologically, I've just noticed how much it's changed me um, as an athlete, but as a person too. You know, you go from feeling like, oh, yeah, I'm the shit. Like, you know, uh, I'm a purple belt now. Like, you know, I'm, oh, I know so much to like, wait a second. No, you don't. Every time you're in this position, you're so quick to get out of it because you you couldn't look yourself in the mirror and go, I don't know anything there. Yeah. Now you're staying there. Yeah. You're in the mud again. And 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 you're you're very quickly learning that if you keep practicing in a situation where you feel so vulnerable, you might end up turning that into a strength. And that I'm going through that all over again. And yeah. what that what does that do? Back, back to flow. Yeah. Right? Like I'm 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 almost I'm falling in love with that concept all over again. And that relates to so many different things, right? Like think about relationships. It's like we go over this like vicious cycle of, oh, let's just do the same thing over and over again. And hey, I get tradition, right? Like, oh, we got this little, like we got this thing we do every year, every month, whatever. But hey, like sit down with one another and be like, hey, like what's what's something new that you want to try that maybe you're just too afraid to ask me and vice versa. Or, or hey, let's get uncomfortable. Like let's, let's have a conversation that like maybe we want to have, but we're too afraid that if we have it, we're going to break up. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, those moments yeah. where it's like, I, I encourage anyone in those situations to, I, I just feel like sometimes we let that level of fear take over. And when we're ready to face it, we quickly walk the other way. Yeah. Should we, fear should be used as a compass. Mm. Every, every, going back to relationships, like, I mean, every moment that me and my wife like had you know difficult moments that's when we grew the most and then I, and then they completely changed the game and it actually it solved all the problems i was afraid to to address and that's the funny thing and then so it's idea of getting, getting comfortable with that fear and that's that's just a, a feeling that's just an experience and then we, in the book i talk about the practice of, of mindfulness and, and and practicing that idea of is your thoughts your your feelings your emotions that's not you that's just something in your consciousness that's just arising there's only consciousness and its contents and so the more you can objectify it and see okay that's just a thought i had does not necessarily mean it's true right the more you can just okay stand to the side and then change your shift your attention to something else right if you're if you're if you're sparring and your mind drifts towards oh am i not good enough i'm all these sort of thoughts instead of holding on to that thought and giving weight which becomes a detriment to your performance you just say oh that's a thought and move to like you know stance right whatever you need to, to focus on to bring your attention to what you're doing yeah and that's so flow follows focus and so essentially we got to train ourselves to focus in the present moment and then that's only when when, when we can get into those those moments when, when we kind of time slips away and our mind slips away a mind without mind right no i love that it's a beautiful quote a friend of mine someone very dear to me she said she said you gotta go through it to grow through it yeah and I, I ate that right up. I actually asked her today. I'm like, hey, before my show, what was that quote you said to me? And uh, yeah, she shared it. And it's like, she said she didn't make up. She didn't make it up herself. But it's like, you don't know what you don't know, right? So like, go through the process of um, failing, you know, see that you're going to learn so much more from that experience and that failure. And let's just call it what it is, embarrassment, than not trying at all. 
I don't think I shared this with you. I might have, but there was that moment where I went to Vegas. It's my first like really big international competition. My first match, Mark, I went down into an illegal heel hook. Right away, ref went stop. <laughs> Stood back up, and I was like, "Oh, what what happened?" R- right right away, I realized I just did something illegal. I got disqualified. I cried. I just got mad. I just got so upset. You know, for took me about a couple hours to just recognize, like, "Okay, hey, well, well, what did you learn from this?" You learn to never, ever do that again. And and since then, never got DQ'd, you know, recognized, and became way more aware of the rules of the sport. I wouldn't have if I didn't go through that process. And and I find that, you know, a lot about what we talked about today is like being comfortable with asking yourself those hard questions and, 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 and not being hard on yourself. I think it's like important to be, it's like a mix of be easier on yourself, but don't let that trump your ability and opportunity to keep trying new things. Yeah. That that's what's super important. Is yeah. instead of becoming so complacent and comfortable and telling yourself, Oh no, this is cushiony and this is just gonna stay how it is, keep thinking how you're gonna make it one percent better. Yeah. And then that way it's not overwhelming. Right? Back to your point, it's not just something where you're just saying like, Oh, I'm just going to throw this out there and I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's like me with studying. I'll study. <laughs> That's all I've been saying for a while. I'll study. No. When? How? What time? 10 minutes a day. Do it. Just start. Yeah. And then, you know, when you when you have something realistic in place like that, then it can grow and it can unfold to something uh, magical. Yeah. Right? Well, people think like, like, I think I just sat down and just kind of just wrote a book. Like, that's not how that happened. There's every time I sat down, there was that nagging inner critic, that self-doubt came up. Why are you doing this? Let's just go watch some TV. No, don't do it. And then if you give into those those thoughts, if you don't give in the space, that about not ignoring those thoughts. It's actually quite opposite. It's actually about actually leaning into those that thought, and you start to to to, to feel there's actually it's not as scary as you think, and that's just the thought I had. That does not mean I need to 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 to, to listen to it. I can choose to focus on writing the book. I had that thought. Okay, cool move on to the next, right? Move on to what I'm actually kind of doing. And that's the practice is not that you mentioned ju- that non-judgmental piece. Don't judge yourself for having, getting distracted or having a negative thought. That's just completely normal. That's just part of the human experience. We have a mind that's has a negativity bias. We're, we're, we're wired to scan the environment for threats. That's just how we're wired evolutionary. It's, it makes mm-hmm. sense to keep us alive. It doesn't help us nowadays when we're, when most of our threats are imagined. But that's that's the trainable piece where we can see our mind for what it is and it's and 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 the more we can recognize that it tends to drift and then don't judge yourself for that and just bring your attention gently to what you're doing and that goes back to having a very clear objective and so recognize that that's a practice but also recognize okay when what is the target okay this is my target remind yourself of the target and constantly remind yourself and remind yourself yeah no it's so true and and those reminders they help keep you on track Right. It's it's I love this element of having a checklist, you know, like every single day. This is what needs to get done. Did it get done? And if it didn't, well, what happened? Why didn't it? And and, and also like that that level of like eighty percent completion. It's like, you know what, eighty percent of hitting it is far better than zero. Right? Yeah. Like you know, clients will be so damn hard on themselves if they didn't finish. Well, especially for perfectionists. I mean, that's the thing, it's and it's funny how much that mistakes already I've caught I've caught in my book now. I'm like oh, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, I love this. Uh, I heard it sometime. Someone told uh, like a YouTube video or something. You talk about uh, always just aim for eighty percent. It's never gonna be hundred percent. 
right? You know, it's always something more to change, always mm-hmm. something more to do, right? Or, but you know, work is is finite, and time is or uh, what's it called? Um, time is finite, work is infinite. I mean, you can always do more work, right? So we have a limited amount of time. So don't get caught up in then. Oh, it has to be perfect. I can always change this because always something more you can change. Mm-hmm. Aim for that kind of. I mean, it's different for everyone. That just works for me. It's aim for eighty percent, right? And then it's it's gonna end up better than 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 you, than you think it's gonna yeah. end up, right? So it's don't push yourself kind of too much. It's always uh, it's just just again going back to what does it really mean to you? Why are you doing this? And if that's the check, if you can check that off, you've you've won. Yeah, I, and that's like one of my favorite first habits to focus on with clients is like, you know, when they're willing to make 180 degree turn in their life and they're wanting to make so many changes happen all at once. I'm like, you know what? First thing we're going to focus on is showing up. Yeah. That's it. You know, let's let's take that first. Put your shoes on, yeah. Yeah. And and it's like, hey, we show up every day. That feels good. You got it done. Yeah, celebrate sh- that. Yeah. yeah, you showed up for four workouts this week. How many did you do last week? Yeah. When when we didn't sign when you weren't with me. One hundred percent improvement. Zero. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah it's, it's huge, right? Or even like, okay, they miss one, whatever. It's like, hey, still, that's three more workouts than you normally would have done before. So yeah, it's a it's a good combination of like setting those clear expectations. So like you know what whatever outcome it is that you can like actually identify. And and I think that's the good thing about being so specific. And um I'd I'd like to take the time now, Marek, to sort of hear you know where where are you taking things now with uh with the book launch and with um you know you pivoting careers yourself and in, in, in the landscape of changing people's um career like where does that look like right now how deep into that process are you yeah it's uh it's an interesting process and it's 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 mostly because of of COVID, and I mean, I'm sure most of yourself and most people have gone through some sort of change and, and re- self reflection. I've always been a introspective person, reflecting almost too much at times, but COVID even even more so. And um, but with with COVID, obviously, it impacted sport a lot, affected my business a lot, and so I was in a position where I'm like, okay, like this is not gonna not growing, not gonna go to where I want it to go, um, at least for the time being. Um, and then obviously I have you know family to take care of. I have to take care of myself. I got to do things right. So it's like, okay, now what? You know, what do I? How can I still get in touch with this mission I have of helping people? You know, increase their amount of time they spend in flow. Uh, and and wrestling with that, my my identity of of being in the sports psych world. That was the biggest thing that hold me back. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. This is what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and then I'm so caught up. It's very black and white. If I'm not doing this, then I'm a failure. This is what this is what happened before when I was an athlete. This is why it kind of drove me to to this field, understanding myself. Because I every time I made a mistake on the on the on the soccer field, I'd, I'd equate that me being a bad person. Right? It's very black and white. It has to be you know good or it's just that 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 kind of perfection. Right? And that's a very you know tough place to to get into. And I, um and so I find myself doing the same thing in my career. It's like oh this is supposed to be who I am. But as was, and you get to learn to decouple like who you are with what you do, right? Those are two kind of separate things, and then you're so much more than just kind of that 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 career identity, right? The there people would dread that question dinner parties. Like, well, who, what do you do? Like, you know, and that's yeah, a silly. That's I? why it's why that's the first question we ask instead of like you know like what are you most excited about? Like what puts you into flow? Like what's and that's why I'm starting to to ask those types of questions, and and then the natural kind of fit is like careers like what is really a career i'm interested in what is really a career 
what does it mean to to do a job like what what is that uh and why are most of us just not enjoying most of the things that kind of we do uh and also on the other side, like, is that okay? Is it, are we meant to only follow our passions? Are we keep getting told, like, follow your passions, follow your purpose. Yeah. Most people don't know what, what their passions are. And so that's okay to not know what your passions are. And passions change. I had a passion and things change and I had to kind of shift and then find new ways. And I'm in a state of that beginner's mind and, and find, okay, how can I transition these skills into maybe broader questions and something else? And right now it's the, it's kind of the, it's that career development field and helping people navigate the stressors of career change and identity and you know I, for example i'm working with someone who's a an air, uh, airplane pilot furloughed airplane pilot air canada he's he was doing singapore airlines and air canada wow. and then now he's driving uber he's making eight grand a month and now he's driving uber part-time and now the, the market is saturated with uber drivers so he can't even do that as much so identity is tied towards being an airline pilot so how do you deal with that yeah there's an identity crisis that can unfold through that yeah, and a lot of people who've gone through that in the past year, where uh, financial hits have uh, been taken, and now something that was merited as having status is gone. Exactly, and that can t- that can hinder on themselves thinking who they are now. But I love how you beautifully put it, and it's referenced in the book where it's like, when someone asks who you are, it is not entirely what you do. Yeah, they're, they're like they're, well, you're more than that. You know, the other day I was having a conversation with someone and it was like, I just, I, I wasn't mad or anything. Like I just simply was like, it was interesting to see how we were talking about identity and like, oh, uh, they were like, oh, you're identified as someone who p- potentially is an Indian person. And I was like, well, you know what? I, I, I now I'm starting to recognize that like, well, for starters, I'm just as Canadian as I am Indian, probably more so Canadian than I'm Indian. But it's even funny, even from like an ethnic standpoint. Where it's like, oh, first thing you want to say is, oh, I'm a first generation in this. It's like, well, what about like, I love how you said in the book with exercise of like, figure out your values and your identity. Like, why, why don't we go off of like, hey, for starters, I'm energetic, I'm outgoing, I'm happy, I'm vibrant. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, I'm a fitness professional. Like, I'm guilty of that all the time. Yeah. Right? Like, literally, again, going back to like, who do I showcase myself as in social media? Well, it's so related to what I do for work. Well, why can't I show other elements of who exactly. Kenny is? And it's amazing. It's, it's so cool to hear that, like, you're taking this concept you love clearly and know about a lo- really well. You know, like, your level of mastery of flow is very high. And now you're applying it in different avenues. Well, to, to summarize, like, the, the answer to that, I guess, the question you mentioned, where am I at? It's like, I'm experimenting life without a job identity right now. And that's and that's very difficult to do. Uh, yeah. And then, so, as you know, it's like, my, my social media profiles, like, I don't, like, put, like, when I do all this, is like, you know, it doesn't, you know... Because, you know, see everyone's profile bios or, you know, they're what they do and all this. But it's like, you're so much more than that. Like, you know, and that's, and that's where I'm, exp- I'm not saying I have the answers. This is where I'm at. I'm very in, the, in that beginner stage of exploring. Like, what is, what is, first of all, what does it mean to me, really? Because, I mean, I really, to, you mentioned the ethnic identity, too. I mean, uh, I have you know, uh, a son of immigrant parents as well. And it's like, I had the identity crisis. Like, am I Polish? Am I Canadian? Am I, when I'm, when I'm there, I'm more Canadian. When I'm here, I'm more Polish. It's like, mm-hmm. I had that struggle too. It's like, where do I fit really? And, and I kind of dealt with that. And I'm in the place now where it's like, I don't really have identified as nationalities anymore. Really, I'm like, I'm just swam or humans kind of thing. Right. But that's a different kind of a tangent. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but that's similar. That's, and that's, I think that's, and it's, that happens. I mean, there's psychological, psychological theories of how children go through development and there's certain stages in their life where they go, identity crisis and they try to develop okay i need to be this and this and this and i think what's interesting for me now is how do we teach 
young kids and I think we're doing it the wrong way. We're, we're, we're filtering them through a, a certain path where they have to decide what they want to do really quickly and what they, without really exploring and understanding what, why. Well, I mean, it's like, where's our, even for me, when I identify and respect my exploration phase of my life and the components in it was university, it was navigating different career paths. However, it was never deemed as an exp- exploration phase. I had to I had to classify it yeah. as that. And to your point, I find it sad where, yeah, at a young age, to be honest, not, not to disrespect the educational institution of my parents, but there was never this encouraging factor associated with anyone telling me, oh, just like, you need to explore. Yeah. You need to like, fuck up. You, 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 you need to just uh, navigate through multiple changes. It's healthy for you. That was deemed as, oh, no, you need structure. You need to be in a position for at least a year. Yeah. Or oh, you're leaving something under a year. Oh, that's unprofessional. 100%. You know? I, and then what did I classify myself as, Mark? A job hopper. Yeah. Oh, like how much that made me like felt like that, that, that stung yeah. a Or if bit. I don't get that job, I'm a failure. Yeah, right? but I mean, now I don't regret it. Because now I'm like, that. What I needed that. I needed that shit from 20 to 25. I needed to be like, okay, this is the time to make all the mistakes in the world and try a bunch of different things. But I mean, good. We've got people now like, you know, guys like Gary Vee and people out there who say that that's important. So that way you don't have to have this like really low self-fulfilling prophecy that makes you feel um, so incapable of where you should fit in. And I find that we're living in a world now where everyone needs to be like, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? Yeah. And then that that then you start feeling like, unfortunately, like you start like beating yourself up mentally about it. Yeah. In reality, it's like, hey, it's okay. We still yeah. be figuring exactly. it out. There's a new wave yeah. of uh, uh, um, career psych- like uh, development theories, which I'm really bought into. Because the old model is, you take an assessment test. This is where you fit your personality. Okay, you work in this job. You're put <laughs> yeah. in the boxes, right? And there's a new way of it. It's, it completely flips out on the head. It's called planned happenstance. The idea is, and especially in the people in a career development field, you ask them, how, like, I remember I was in a, I was doing, I was a career mentor for the U of A and was working with a student to be at a group session. And they asked, like, how many of you here uh, are working in the field that you went to school for? And, like, maybe one person out of, you know, 60 put their hand up, right? And that's the idea, like, most of us don't do the thing that we kind of, you know, thought we we're going to do. And that's okay. We get we cop an idea. Oh no, this is what I did. I have to do this. This is what instead of exploring. No, what's 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 new? So plan happens. That's there's a couple elements they 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 talk about. You need to train, and one of them is that curiosity. So uh, ambivalence of what you want to do and not knowing what you do is not a bad thing. That's actually that's that's a I forgot what they what they what they what they call, but it's the idea of of having an open mind. I think that's they reframe it as having an open mind. You're not you know. You don't. You're not a bad person for not knowing what you do. You just have an open mind, mm-hmm. right? And then so you're flipping out on its head, and it's actually a positive thing. And I think that's and that's the how I think where it ties into into flow. It's like start asking yourself what puts you into those one. What those moments when I stop thinking? What those moments when I'm just like in the moment? When when three hours go by, like this conversation, an hour and a half already went by, right? It's like when those moments those, those happen. It's like okay, there's something there. So start journaling that start noticing things start working these things okay i like to be in this position i like to talk to people okay maybe there's something there explore that right of course there's there's elements of 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 you need to pay the bills you need to do this this and this but it's like sometimes that's okay you need to five you know pay money but no that's there's a long goal in mind you know have that what's what's that long-term object how is this process and me you work in a uber 
is, is a process goal to you working to something bigger down the road. Yeah. Right. Reframe it in that way. No, I love that. And when you, when you say that, it reminds people to recognize like what skill they're acquiring through that process, right? Like to, to go through the motions of, yeah, driving an Uber. Well, who did you meet? Who, who, who was someone you met? Oh, did you get better at mm-hmm. conversing with people because you were stuck in a car with someone? And... The jobs I, the worst jobs I had is the one I learned the most from. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? You remember from, from your life, right? It's crazy. Yeah. And it's like that is what continuously shapes who you are. And I love how you said that because to identify with recognizing where you're spending your time the most, but what makes you stop to spend more time doing just that? You know the things that you decide to push a little bit longer? Well, why? How did that person make you feel? You know, what, what What was going on in your head? What questions did you start asking? Okay, now through what you just mentioned, journaling or the process of reflection, those are the moments where you sit down with yourself for 30 minutes. To be honest, I'm working on that. But I noticed lately when I'm showering, I'm in like a high level of like deep thinking. That's where I'm like, okay, like, you know, what did I learn over the past day? What did I... What am I about to do today? Well, what difference do I want to make, or or, or who's going to make a difference in my life today? In Shower's the best place for that because it's a Great. it's a low grade uh, physical activity because you're you're wiping, you're you're doing all these things, right? And it's so your mind's kind of semi focused on that. So, it, but allows your brain to be just enough disconnected to attach new ideas. Yeah. And so it's creativity's wrapped. In. I've I've had moments, Marek, where that's happened. <laughs> like it's, it's gotten real deep lately, to the point where, I, and I don't know if it's just like. Maybe I'm just getting my head squished too fast into the mat space where I'm forgetting too much information and, and my, my head's loopy. But I'd be like, did I brush? Or I'd be like, did I wipe my body with soap? Did I do that? Like, I would forget. Like, And I'm like, it's because my mind is so fixated on like it going certain places and, mm-hmm. and like thinking about what's been going on. So, yeah, I, to your point, man, I encourage our listeners and even you know myself and what i gained in this conversation is to to pay attention to to what your mind is telling you and sometimes pay attention to what your mind's not telling you mm. right i think that's going to factor in the people being able to make um, better decisions for themselves right and um i just want to take the time man to to thank you and acknowledge you for for doing something that you told us over two years ago that you were going to accomplish. And I remember you sitting across the table from us in our first original studio saying, yeah, like I, I love what I do so much that I want to write a book on it. And, and here we are fast forward two years later and you did. And now you're taking that um, high level of focus and energy um, with what you know about flow and, and you're, you're, you're changing people's lives, right? Initially athletes and now um, people who are like navigating career change. And I felt like that was just another important reason why we have you on because that's where we started. You know, we started lost and confused, not knowing where, where our careers were going to go. I remember sitting down with you in the room, you know, when you were my sports psychological consultant and you were like, listen, man, like you got a lot going on here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. And I was telling you like six, seven, eight different things. That I doing. can confirm to people listening. <laughs> yeah. But like the beautiful part about that, man, is like even, and I don't know how well you're aware of this and knowing this, you helped me recognize that you, like, you were a big part in my career shift. I had to take moments in our conversation and the exercise we've done in the first lockdown when I sat down with myself and go, yeah, this is too much. Choose one thing. I remember you and me were identifying like, okay, based off of time, what's the percentage 
what what are the percentages of my time being spent in jujitsu in my career at that time? And are you in happy sales? with that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you happy? And then what I did was I recognized, yeah, the things that are pulling me towards taking more of my time and energy, that's going to be the focus and the only focus. So it's a no-brainer when I hear that you're going to be a part of changing people's careers because you did that for me in the space of me being a pro athlete. And it just goes to show that like you as a person, Marek, but you as what you're specialized in is, is something that a lot of people can learn from. And that's why I just want to take the time to have you let us know like where can people find you to for, so they can so you can do that for them. Um, anywhere in the world, because I know you have an online platform, but also where in Edmonton um, can people uh, stay in touch with you and, and potentially do a program with you? Yeah, no, again, well, thank you for, for having me on again. It's it's always a pleasure to be on the show. Um, and I'm glad to hear you got something out of our, our session. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, yeah, people can send best places is my website, uh, Um Like, so if you're an athlete, you can still work with it. I still do, you know, uh, mental training uh, for athletes as well. But I'm also transitioning to the kind of career transition, career development kind of field as well. So if you're interested in that, uh, I'd be happy to, to support you. Um, Instagram is a good place as well. Uh, Marek T. Komar. As uh, simple as that on my Instagram. Um, Catch him in a month, though. He's on his Instagram cleanse. Yeah, that's right. Don't don't, <laughs> don't DM me now. I'll we'll get back to you. Well, I mean, by the time this goes out there, you'll probably be Maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so DM me. So, do DM me. <laughs> uh, well, we'll be see. Maybe I won't be able to be back ever again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> just we'll, go. We'll be back in, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, those are the kind of the, the good places. And, yeah, definitely check out my book. Uh, it's on, on the website, flowperformancepsych.com slash book. Uh, comes with a free uh, kind of workbook with it to download so you can do some exercises so that's the kind of best place and i'm always happy to hear feedback that's my, th- my we talk about feedback so definitely give us some feedback on how it went and yeah thank you again for, for having me on not a problem man um you know we always like to ask every single one of our guests this even if we've already asked them is you know we want to hear from this. you now what, what does it take to be on on the second floor Marek? What does you know, it take? Yeah, you know, when we look back on, you know, the steps that need to be taken to, you know, have you reached where you reached at this point now, you know? Like, you clearly spent quality time in in figuring yourself out more and, and getting a published book accomplished, which is huge, man. Like, that's not easy. So going through the motions of, of, of being very clear on how you spend your time and, and how to elevate in life and health and business... Uh, what what does that take uh, based off your experience for someone and our listeners to to take what they're doing to the next level? Understand what is that second level for you and why you're doing it. Don't take some time off social media. Take some time off for yourself. Really get clear on what it is you like to do. Why do you like to do it and how to do it? And there's plan out some steps, right? Uh, and that's going to change. Don't think that's your first, you know, Idea is going to be the one. It might be, it might not, but be flexible to change, right? And so really, but I think emphasizing the why you're doing this, if that's anything, if it's if you want to be the next bodybuilder, if you want to be the next world champion, first answer why. If I, if I had a gun to your head and, and asked you in, in three three words, you know, why, if you can answer that, then you're in a pretty good spot. Um, but yeah, so figure that out and trust the process, live slow, find flow. I love it, man. There you have it. The one and only Marek Komar. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you being on here. And 
I feel like a lot of people are going to find value with everything that you said today. Cheers, brother. Cheers, man. That's a wrap. The Second Floor Podcast is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown and community supported.